Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful day, Lord. And we thank you for doing something in our lives that we cannot do for ourselves. We thank you for your great love. Lord, I pray this morning that you would fill us to overflowing, Lord, that we would receive your word today and that it would, that I know it's a life-changing word, Lord God, so I pray that our understanding would be opened in a greater measure. Father, your word says in Romans 12, too, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. So as we come into greater understanding and alignment with your word, it transforms the way that we think and the way that we see things. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would continue to, to uh, work in our hearts and our lives and our minds to receive everything that you have for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Warrior youth and ambassadors, you are dismissed. We'll see you a little later, okay? <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning. You guys are looking good. And uh, I want to, we're continuing in the series we started last week. It's called Salvation. And as I shared with you last week, that this is really driven by the fact that as a church, we took a survey and there were a number of people that responded to that survey that seemed to be a little confused about salvation. They, uh, everyone, I think it was 90 plus percent that, that uh, participated in the survey believed that Christ could forgive anyone for all sins, but yet there was a third of us who weren't sure that if we were to die today that we would go to heaven. So that was an indicator to me that this is something that, that we need to teach on because we need to know. We need to know it for ourselves, but also... As we come into contact with people that the Lord places in our path, how are we going to explain that to them if we don't know? Or if we're not confident of our salvation, how can we help them? So that's really the driving force behind this series. And this morning, I'll, I'll be covering really part two from last week. Last week, I taught on what is salvation, and we defined that, and we looked at that. And I had planned to get further last Sunday than what I did, so this is really kind of part two. I want to encourage you, if you missed the sermon last Sunday, that you will go back online to lifefellowship.me. You can go to sermons and click on that link for sermons and listen to last week's because it's going to help tie this all together. So I would appreciate you doing that. I think it will help you. This morning, we're going to look at the primary reason we need to be saved. And we will be going to a couple of scriptures. We will be going to Romans 3, 23 and Romans 5, 12. And because this is really sort of part two from last week, I want to just read through real quickly what we, uh, the scriptures that we looked at primarily last week and then build on that. And last week I talked about what is salvation. And this was the definition that we looked at. It's God's deliverance of a people or an individual from a threatening situation from which that group or person is unable to rescue itself, to be delivered. In other words, salvation is God is doing something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. So let's look at, uh, quickly look at the scriptures that we, we looked at last week. And it's Romans chapter 3, verses 19 through 31. Obviously, the law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show them that the entire world is guilty before God. 
For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. And so as you drive down the highway, you see a speed limit sign, and it says 45 miles an hour. And if you're doing 55, it it shows you. It's an indicator. Hey, wait a minute. I'm breaking the law here. I'm exceeding the speed limit. So that's what the law does. It It sets boundaries for us. Verse 21, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the laws was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. No matter what we've done, no matter where we've been, any of that, right? This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone, verse 23, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glory standard. Verse 24, yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. He paid the ransom for us on the cross. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin, People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past, for he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. Through the death of Christ on the cross, through the blood that was shed, it was enough to cover all the sins for everyone, for all of humanity. He goes on to say in verse 26, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he declares sinners to be made right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Verse 27, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based upon obeying the law. It's based on faith. It's not based on our good works, our good looks, and all those things. (laughs) it's based on faith, simply receiving what God has done on the cross for us, what Jesus has done on the cross. So we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. So whether you're Jew or Gentile, non-Jew, this applies to us. We can all receive the forgiveness of Christ. It goes on to say in verse 30, There is only one God, and he makes people right with himself only only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. Verse 31. Well, then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. And so it's through faith that we fulfill the law. It's, It's through faith that God begins, that we receive Christ, and he begins to change us from the inside out. So last week's sermon is going to lay the foundation for this week. So again, I encourage you to go back, and and we ripped through those pretty quickly, but I encourage you to go back and listen to those, and you may want to do that anyway. So here's some questions. I don't want you to answer these, but I want you to think about these. Why do we need to be saved? How did this happen? How did we get lost? What, What happened? We lost our compass. We got lost? Did God make mistakes when he created us? Wait a minute. What's going on here? Did he make us imperfect and broken? Why do we need to be saved? My first point is the initial sin is not my fault. However, it is my problem. Okay. 
Romans 3.23. Let's look at that. We read that earlier. For everyone, say everyone, everyone. Has, sinned. has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. All of us, every one of us have messed up. And we've talked about sin. It's like an archer shooting at a target and missing the whole target. That's what sin is, to miss the mark, to miss the target. The great news is that Christ paid the ransom for all of our sins. All of our sins. Think about the worst thing that you've done. And, and you know, God has forgiven you for that. Whatever that may be. Amen. All of us. Christ has paid the ransom for all of our sins. There is hope for every one of us. Now, let's look a little closer at why we need salvation, okay? Let's go to Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. So when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed, Right? Remember the story? You can go back in Genesis chapter 3. And the serpent came and said, uh, did, did God say that you can't eat of any of the trees in the garden? And, and he says, well, no, God, God didn't say that. He said, we just can't eat of this one tree. I think that pride is one of the things that will mess us up. And I think that's where pride begins to, to slip in a little bit. Have you ever, has someone ever said to you, well, you don't have authority to do that? Well, yes, I do. What about a child? Son, you don't need to do that. I'm I'm big boy. I can do that now. You know, something rises up in us sometimes when somebody says, no, you can't do that. And maybe that's good sometimes. Maybe we don't have the authority to do that, or maybe we shouldn't do that. We read that Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed God. God said, listen, you can eat of all the trees. Just don't eat of this one. And it's like us with a wet paint sign. Do not touch wet paint. What are we going to do? We're going to check and see if it's wet. We just kind of have that in us. Okay, I'm getting a little off track here. So sin became part of our DNA. When Adam and Eve sinned, sin entered into all of humanity. It says that all have sinned, right? All have sinned. All have fallen short of God's glorious standard. We can't help that we were born and conceived in sin. It's part of, the, part of our DNA, part of the DNA of humanity. You know, I'm not one to, to shirk responsibility, but it's not our fault. It's not our fault that sin entered into humanity. Okay, I want to do something. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell them you're beautiful to God. Okay. Now the other one. Tell the other one. Okay. Reciprocate here. All right. You're beautiful to God. Don't be going, tell me more. Yeah, yeah. No. Reciprocate. Okay. Okay. I want you to tell your neighbor of everything he created, you are his prized possession. Of everything he created, you are his prized possession. Okay, tell your neighbor this. God wants to bless you with great blessings. God wants to bless you with great blessings. How did that make you feel? Makes you feel good, right? Because we're encouraging one another. And what's even more important is we're, we're sharing the word of God with each other. That's what God's word says. And so there's something that happens in us when we begin to share the truth of God's Word, when we begin to receive the truth of God's Word. So anyway, I, I'm glad you encouraged one another. It's, it's encouraging, and it's in direct alignment with God's desires and His Word. And so we need to be speaking those things over ourselves. You ever have a bad day, and you want to call yourself all kinds of names? I'm an idiot. I'm stupid. Wait a minute. No, I'm blessed and highly favored of all of God's creation. You know what? I'm having a little struggle right here. 
But God's word says that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So you know what? My emotions are off the chart right now, but I'm going to bring those into alignment with God's word. I'm going to say, wait a minute. God, what are you trying to show me here? I know I can get through this. I know I can work through this challenge. I know with your help I can get there. And so there's something that happens when we come into alignment with God's word. Again, Romans 12, 2, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, coming into alignment with God's word. And when some knucklehead does something stupid, say, well, you know what? They're God's child, and I'm just going to extend grace and mercy and favor to them. I'm going to love them. Maybe that's what they really need. Okay. So now that you kind of know your neighbor, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to look at the color of their eyes. Go ahead. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. Look at the color of their hair. (laughs) If they don't have any hair, look at another neighbor. (laughs) Okay. All right. Now, how much was your neighbor able to decide? Now, I know some people color their hair, but how much, or or they wear those, uh, those contacts that change the color of their eyes, okay? I'm not necessarily talking about that, but how much was your neighbor able to decide their natural color of their eyes or hair? How much say did they have in that? None. No, right? Think about what you look. Okay, close your eyes. All right, close your eyes and envision yourself. Think of, imagine that you're looking in the mirror. What do you look like? What color are your eyes? What is your, what is your hair? What color is your hair? How's that blouse or shirt look on you today? Okay, all right. Now, I really want you to focus on what you look like. Okay, you can open your eyes. Now, How much choice did you have in the color of your eyes or the color of your hair? Okay, I'm not talking about dyeing. You know, I'm talking about the natural color of your hair. You didn't have any choice in that. That's how you came. That's how God created you. Did you choose what country you were born in? How about the city? How about did you handpick your parents? No? Okay. Okay. Just like you didn't have any choice in these decisions, you did not have a choice in being born in sin. It just happened, guys. But we have good news. Okay, my first point is the initial sin is not my fault. However, it is my problem. The second point this morning is you do have a choice on being free from sin. I think this is a great example. Think about a mother that is a lady that's pregnant, and she is using crack cocaine. And then she delivers that baby. And that baby is now a crack addict. How much say did that baby have in that situation? None. So what happens when that baby is born, the doctors are people that should be trying to help that mother and that baby, right? It wasn't the baby's fault. The baby didn't make those decisions. But you know what? It's a problem for them. It wasn't their decision. It wasn't their fault. But it's a problem. And so we have a problem in the fact that it's not our fault that sin entered into humanity through Adam and Eve. But it's a problem for us. But there's good news. We don't have to stay that way. We can allow God to come in and fix us. So we do have a choice on being free from sin. I want to talk about King David for a moment. You can read about King David in First and Second Samuel. The account of David's affair with Bathsheba is found in Second Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter 11, 11 and twelve. 
And uh, you can go back and read that. And King David wrote this psalm when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet after he had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And most of you probably know the story. He committed adultery with her, and then she got pregnant, and he tried to hide it. He basically had her husband murdered, Uriah. This is what David wrote in Psalm 51.5. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So he recognized that he was born in sin. He recognized the condition, the state that he was in. The thing I love about David is that he had an understanding of God. He had an understanding of God's forgiveness. I mean, all the terrible things that he did, the word says that he was a man after God's own heart. Well, does God desire people to have an affair and murder people and do some of the things David did? No. But I think David had an understanding of God's great love and grace for him. And he was able to receive that. And you know, there are people today that mess up and they cannot receive the forgiveness from God. They will not forgive themselves. And if you're here today and you're saying, well, I can't forgive myself, I would challenge you, are you greater than God? If God can forgive you, can you forgive yourself? Can you forgive those that have hurt you? You think you've never hurt anyone? So this is not a, a teaching on forgiveness. Maybe it is. But listen, God's love and grace covers us. And we have all sinned. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. And so David understood that it was only through the grace of God that he could be forgiven. And he was, I think David was good about receiving grace. Now, I'm not saying there weren't consequences because there were. There were. There are always consequences for sin. You may think, oh, well, I'm getting by with it this time, but I'm telling you there are consequences. It may be a breaking down of that wall. It may be a breaking down of your character. It may be a conditioning that's happening that will make it easier the next time to begin to disobey God's word or, or uh, whatever that may be. So you don't have a choice on being born in sin. However, you do make the decision to be set free. And I want to go to James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Verse 14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. And the visual that I get in my mind is a cow, a calf, or a person being lassoed and being dragged. That's, that's what sin does. Sin, temptation, comes from our own desires, which entice us. You're not going to be enticed or tempted to sin for something that's grotesque or repulsive, right? So temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Because we have, why? Because we have that sin nature in us. Verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. It is a progressive thing as we begin to walk away from the things of God, and we begin to compromise in our life, then it gets easier. And next thing we know, we're way over here. How did that happen? It started back here. When we begin to compromise, when we begin to walk away, when we were enticed and dragged away, that's how it begins. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin entered into humanity through the disobedience of Adam and Eve. And if you read in uh, Genesis chapter 4, we read that Eve conceived her first son, Cain, 
she also conceived a second son, Abel. And in chapter 4, just, you know, right out of the gate, there's already the first murder that Cain kills Abel. So, you know, we've been talking about when sin enters in, it leads to death. It can be physical death. I mean, we're seeing right here that it is physical death. It can be spiritual death. It can be death on a number of different levels. But the effects of sin can be immediate or they may be delayed. However, there are consequences. And that's why God says, listen, these are the boundaries. Stay within these boundaries. These boundaries are good. When you step outside of these boundaries, it's not good. That's really sin. That's disobedience. So that's why God gives us the law, to stay within the boundaries. He says, stay within these boundaries. These boundaries are for your good and for my good, for all of us. James 1.14, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. Verse 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So again, it's a progression. When sin is allowed to grow... Let's look at this for a minute. Who has control over your decisions? You do? Right. Don't look at your spouse. <laughs> we make those decisions. We make decisions. So my first point, the initial sin is not my fault. However, it is my problem. The second point is you do have a choice on being set free from sin. Sin has a progressive cumulative effect. Adam and Eve made their choice to disobey. Their choice has impacted all of humanity from that point forward. Your choices will impact generations that follow. Would you like your great-great-grandchildren to be mighty men or women of the Lord? Can you make that choice for them? Well, you can't necessarily make that choice. However, you can train your children to be committed followers of Christ. You can give them the foundation that will help them. And then as they raise their children, they can pass those things on. And they can pass those on to your grandchildren, great-grandchildren. So you do have a part to play in that. And the, our part is to simply love God, Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. Love God, obey God, and commit firmly to him. And uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the ways of the Lord. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. So we can give them the word of God. That's what we're doing back there with your children, with our children. We're teaching them the Word of God, the, the things of God, so that they can understand. They're recognized that they need a Savior. They can give their life to the Lord. And then we can continue to help them grow. So what is our mission here at Life Fellowship? To develop, maintain, a model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ, that we would all come into a deeper, more personal, intimate relationship with Him because that's what it's all about, God. So as we yield our life to Him and we invite Him in and say, God, come into my life. And continue to work in my life and fill me. He does that. So we have a great responsibility and opportunity to train up our children. And also to live a life that draws others to Christ. And to share the love of Christ with others. We choose. We make the choice to follow God's commands or not. It's a choice that we make. So my uh, first point is the initial sin is not my fault. However, it is my problem. Second point is you do have a choice on being free from sin. My third point is Jesus came to set you free. Man, I mean, that's good news. It's great news. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, So now, right now, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation right now for those 
who belong to Christ Jesus. Verse 2. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. We can receive forgiveness through the sacrifice of Christ. We can choose to receive the total forgiveness for all sin. Will you do that? All of us have challenges and struggles. But what we can do is we can take those to the cross. Say, God, I need some help here. Will you help me with this? You know, the initial sin in my life is not my fault, but it is my problem. And I don't want to continue to propagate that. So I want to yield every area of my life to you. Listen, it's not about performing. It's about just simply yielding our life to God. And then God changes us from the inside out. Those, those sinful actions that we talked about earlier, they begin to go away. Because why? Because we're changed from the, from the inside out. Our heart has changed. We no longer have those same desires. And God begins to take those things away. Sin is like, a, have you guys ever seen those wee, wee satch bushes? Uh, or cat claw, you know, have you ever gotten into one of those things, man? They will rip you up. They're like cat claws. They're sharp. And you get into those things, and they're like hooks, and, and they will mess you up, man. And that's what sin does. It drags us away. And what I found in my life, when I have areas in my life that I struggle with, when I begin to walk away from those things, when I begin to think differently about sin, that's really repentance. We've heard that repentance is just turning and walking the other way, but that's not really it. Repentance is choosing to change the way that we think about it. And that's what really impacts our heart and our life. But as we begin to walk away from those things, it's like those claws that are in us, they begin to release because we no longer uh, have that propensity and, and drive for those things. We may have to be on guard about something. Listen, if you have a drinking problem, don't go sit at the bar at the restaurant because they don't have a table. Don't tempt yourself. But use wisdom. But listen, God will begin to, as we walk away from those things, those things begin to relax their grip on us. And it helps us to be free. And so as we yield our life to God, God changes the way that we think about things, the way that we see things, because we're coming into alignment with his word and what he says and the freedom that we can walk in. I just want to encourage us to continue in those things and realize that sin being part of our DNA is not our fault, but we don't have to stay there. And there are a lot of people that choose to stay there, choose to stay in situations. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're here this morning and God has tugging on your heart. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you did at one point in time, but you walked away. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Listen, there's no shame in that. God loves you. And he wants to transform you. Anyone else? Thank you for that, others. Eileen, would you come forward? I want to thank you for your honesty. Thank you. And I want to lead you in this prayer. If you'll just repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. I yield my life to you. I give all my life to you. I ask your forgiveness. I receive all your forgiveness for everything. I've ever, done. I've ever done. And I walk. And I walk. In the freedom. In the freedom. And the liberty. And the liberty. That that, that uh, salvation brings. That that salvation brings. And I thank you now. And I thank you now. 
that I am free. All that stuff is left behind. Thank you, Jesus, for this new beginning, for this fresh start. And I receive it all today. In Jesus' name. Lord God, I pray for Eileen. I pray that you would fill her. Oh God, fill her to overflowing with your great love. Father, that you would fill her with your Holy Spirit. That she would hear you in fresh new ways, God. That you would give her greater understanding. Father, that you would pour into her heart in a mighty way. That she would be radically changed, Father. Because your Holy Spirit is doing a mighty work in her, God. Fill her to overflowing with your great love and the power of your Holy Spirit, that she would hear your small, still voice much clearer, Lord God, and that she would choose to obey and walk in the fullness of life that you called her to. And I thank you for this woman. I thank you for the calling that you placed upon her life. Lord God, and I pray that she walk, would walk in the fullness of everything that you have for her. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming forward. I, you know, I've been doing that the last couple of weeks, and sometimes I just want to—I I just want to connect with somebody as I pray for them. And uh, I just—I love God, and I'm so passionate about God. And I know—I know what He's done in my life. And I know what he's done in a number of, of your lives as well. And he's still doing something. And there's a whole world of people out there that need to know Christ. And, and I want to talk about 442 for a moment. If you, if you don't have any more of these cards, I think there's some more back there. We have a bunch of them. But we want to be deliberate in making new relationships, especially with those that don't know the Lord. Reaching out to them. Listen, you have a tremendous opportunity that's not the work of the pastor. Not just the work of the pastor. Let me rephrase that. That's the work of all of us. Because I have a limited number of people that I come in contact with. But look how many of, of you there are that we can impact this community. So God is bringing people across your path every week. Are you making a difference? Are you sharing the love of Christ? If they don't have a church home, invite them to Life Fellowship. And then the four times that you can share your story. Are you sharing your story? I mean, one of the best ways that we share our story is just to live, live it. Let people see the love that we have in us, the, the love of Christ in us. And then the other thing that we can do is pray that God will bring people across our path that we can pray for. Pray for, for God to show you who, who you need to minister to share salvation with. There may be people all around you that need to know the Lord and pray that God will give you the opportunity to lead them to the Lord. And we're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. How do we how do we pray for someone? Listen, guys, this is important. This is life-giving stuff. Because we've just read today that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Listen, there is no hope without Christ. And some of you have experienced that. You've tried to find hope in sex and drugs and rock and roll, and there's no hope in that. There's no lasting hope in that. It's a fleeting just a, a fleeting satisfaction but there's only one thing that can fill us to overflowing and that's 
our relationship with God. And so it starts by leading people into that relationship. And so I want us to be mindful of that and, and intentional and, and impacting the world around us. Guys, it's important to them. It's important to their marriages. It's important to their families. So I want us to continue to live out 442 is for you. In closing, I just want to say, keep in mind the initial sin is not our fault, but it is our problem. And when we run across people out in the world, I remember there was a pastor and his kids ran in. They were kind of rambunctious. And he said, oh, they're just little sinners. And we all kind of laughed. But, you know, we're all born in sin. And we all need Jesus. And remember, as you come into contact with people that are unsaved, you can't expect unsaved people to act saved. They're sinners. You know? And, and so we, what we have the opportunity to do is when we come into contact with people that are unsaved, is realize that they're unsaved. And love them and reach out to them and share the hope and the love of Christ with them. God has given you a great platform to do that. He's given you a platform that nobody else has. So use it. Use it well. Time may be short. Time may be short for them. Who knows? You could get transferred. And so that those relationships then cease to exist. But God will always bring people across your path that need the hope and the love of Christ. So let's go out and live it and share that hope. Thank you for being here this morning. You're dismissed.